This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. CLC, how you guys doing? Woo! Man, it's so good to see you guys. You guys look good. You smell good. I can just smell it. Somebody hit the Macy's counter, got them some cologne or perfume. No, no, I'm just kidding. My wife and I, we're so excited to be with you guys. We flew in uh, yesterday. We, uh, I guess you guys would know this even more than I would, that we had those warnings that you guys had some sort of tropical storm. So we were like, oh God, we're praying, Lord, let it pass. Let it not interrupt this incredible service. But how many of you know God is working behind the scenes? How many of you guys know that? God is working behind the scenes. It's so good to be with pastors Tom and Candy. We love them. You guys are led by top-notch generals of the faith. Seriously, the more I'm around them, I mean this, the more impressed I am with just the integrity of how they lead. Ezekiel 34 talks about true shepherds, and you guys have true shepherds. And we just want to thank, amen, yes. We also just want to thank your church, the church I go to in Northern California. You guys have sent so many different leaders and worship pastors that have left this place and have come and have bringing that same kind of dynamic and revival flavor that you have to our church. So we're blessed that you guys have done that. And finally, you don't want to miss tonight. My wife is going to jump up here. She has got a powerful word, so you do not want to miss it. There's my wife, Krista. Krista, if you just wave at everybody. If you have a Bible, if you would go to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to open and read from that passage. And as you do, we do have some products. My wife has a brand new book, and it's called Singled Out in a Couple's World. And her book isn't about trying to help you get on christianmingle.com or Tinder, swiping left, okay? She's talking about your singleness is strategic from heaven, that God wants to leverage your season of singleness to maximize your destiny, that your calling and your purpose Uh, can go on regardless of your relationship status. She she shares her story, but it isn't just for singles, and you may want to buy it for someone if it's not you who is in that season, but it's really about Abraham laying down their Isaac on the altar. We all have something we're waiting on the Lord for, something that we in the season feel like we're sacrificing, but as we do, God will give us back something better when we do it his way versus we force it our way. Isn't that right? So we've got that out there. Then I've got a brand new book, just released it. I wrote a book years ago called Prophetic Evangelism. This will be the last quick commercial break. But since I was with you last, I rewrote the book. Uh, It has like 45% of it is completely brand new material. Uh, About 55% of it, I rewrote what I had in it. I put in a whole bunch of new stuff. So Prophetic Evangelism is simply this. How to hear the voice of God out there when you don't have the awesome musical accompaniment, right? Somebody's not on the keys and how you can get a word of knowledge and prophesy over the barista at Starbucks and lead them to the Lord or your family members or your workplace. So it is about being prophetic in the marketplace. And so we've got that out there and we've got other stuff. Luke chapter five, 
and I'm going to start reading at verse 17. It says, now it happened on a certain day as he, that's Jesus was preaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. Can you say sitting by? Who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Remember that, underscore that. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and when they sought to bring him and lay before him, bring in and lay before him, and when they could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop, they let him down with his bed through the tiling, or some translation says roof, in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. Somebody say, uh-oh. Saying, where is this who speaks, excuse me, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them, uh, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. And then I'm going to read one verse out of Mark chapter 2. You can... You can, thanks so much, bro. So appreciate that. Mark 2, verse 1 says, And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there were no longer room to receive him, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. You know, it's funny. I think it was probably one of the, one of the last times that we were, uh, in the, in the southeastern portion of the United States, I think it was, or at least the East Coast. My wife and I, we had taken an Uber because we were preaching at a church. And so they had an Uber and we needed to, we wanted to go over, I think, to the mall and check out their mall and whatever. And I noticed that the guy had a Dominican Republic flag hanging from his Uber, which got me super excited because it was a, come on, it was a flashback. Because my wife and I, we spent our honeymoon in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic, in the DR. And so I had this flashback as I was talking to this guy. And I was just entering in a conversation, talking to him about his country, hoping that the conversation could turn and I could get a chance to share the gospel. And I thought about my time in Punta Cana with my beautiful bride, still my beautiful bride. But I remember those first early moments of us newlyweds on our honeymoon. Now, I want you to think with me because there are really only three types of honeymoons. Okay, y'all ready for this? First type of honeymoon is the honeymoon where you go wherever it is you're going, you collect every souvenir, you take every picture, you eat at every restaurant, you become an instant foodie, you are trying to literally enjoy the moment. Why? Because it took all of your money saved up for multiple years to get this vacation. You may not get another one like this for another 10 years. Come on, somebody, right? Say honeymoon number one. Say it with me. Say honeymoon number one. Honeymoon number two. Okay, y'all got to be mature with me. Stay holy, but be mature. Honeymoon number two, right? 
You have kept yourself pure as well as your partner. You have held out. You have honored God with your body. Come on, somebody. You have, you, come on. You have walked according to the word. You finally made it to the hotel room, right? You're not going to take any trips. You're not going to do any touristing. You're going to do takeout. You dropped off the grid. Why? Because you're going to fulfill the Genesis mandate to repopulate the earth in five days. Come on, somebody. That's honeymoon number two, right? Right? It's, it's, it's anointed, it's holy, it's right. Come on, somebody. My wife and I, we did kind of honeymoon number three, okay? But a hybrid of one and two, too. Honeymoon number three. Now, I got to explain this to you. I grew up in inner city Oakland. And this is important because I want to share with you a word God gave me for you. So I grew up in inner city Oakland. I'm not one to give into stereotypes. I'm not one to feed into profiling or generalizations. But I got to be honest with you, when I grew up in the hood in urban Oakland, California, in my neighborhood, we didn't like water, okay? I'm just going to say it. We didn't really particularly like water. I know some of you here, you it might come as a surprise because I was by the Pacific Ocean, but we had heard all these stories about shark attacks, people losing their arms, and you know, urban legends can add to these kind of stories. So as kids, outside of our bathtub or our shower, right, we weren't trying to get by water. We really didn't even like water, right? And, and again, I'm not trying to say all people who come from my area like that, but if you lived in my immediate neighborhood, you didn't really like water. And the second thing we did not like was heights. Apart from just climbing just high enough to get in Mrs. Jones' plum tree, that's about as high as we wanted to get, and it was really close. We could jump off a branch. We could steal the plums, which she let us do, off of her tree. We didn't really like heights. I didn't want to get up too high. I wasn't, I had no ambition to do skydiving, to do bungee jumping, nothing like that. So you guys are following me. Now, when I got married, here is the phrase that the Lord began to deal with me. And here is the phrase that I believe he's saying to us. The Lord said to me, he said, new seasons demand new flows. New seasons demands new flows. When you come into a new season, you can't just have the old flow. The old flow got you through the old season, but God has a new flow for a new season. And one of the, I'm, I'm convinced, one of the more defeating and deflating moments we can find ourselves is we've come into a new season, but still trying to operate off of old flow. How many of you know the mentality of COVID, the past 26 months, or however long that is, 25 months, the, the mentality of survival is not going to serve you well when you enter to a season of revival. Come on, somebody. It, oh, I need some more help from somebody. I need some help in the back all over. Some of us develop mindsets and mentalities that work well for us to get us through that season, but now that we're embarking upon something new, the new season will not be friendly to the old mindset. Oh, I wish I could have a little more help on that. The, the new season will not be as kind to old mindsets. So here I am going on my honeymoon, and I thought, I'm not going to be this inner city kid afraid of water. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I had to rethink that even when I got water baptized. It took me more, it took more faith for me to be water baptized. I'm thinking about water, right? So I'm thinking, I'm going to do something, honeymoon number three, and here's honeymoon number three. You attempt every death-defying, adrenaline, heart-pumping exploit you can, 
because you are in this new season. You want to, so here's what we did. You ready for this? We swam with sharks, y'all. I didn't just get in water. I told you the reason why I didn't get in water, I was afraid. We swam with sharks. I don't mean that we were in a cage and the, and the shark was in the water or the shark was in the cage and we was in the water. We and the shark were both in the water. They told us they saw the shark's teeth, but we just had to believe them on that one. I wouldn't get, you know what I'm saying? I was kind of like, okay. We pet stingrays. They said they cut the sting off the ray, but it had a little knob back there. So I don't know, maybe it could still get you. We sped boat. And when I say speed boat, uh, it was a two person speed boat. And the guy that led our tour, he raced in front of us. I'm a bit competitive. So I'm like, Hey, I'm going to pass all these other folks up because I'm staying with the dude that's supposed to be leading us. But it was a very windy day. It started getting choppy. We were bouncing on the water, right? As we were bouncing on the water, we hit a bounce where I thought we were going to flip. And at that point, it felt like we might die, right? I'm like, God, you got to do my honeymoon. And like, man, that was quick, right? And see, when people are scared, they do different things. When my wife is extremely scared, she laughs hysterically. Like, she thinks she's going to die. She's laughing hysterically. It's like, oh, my God, something's threatening my wife. When I think I'm in that place where I'm seriously scared, I narrate in the third person. So we're on a boat thinking it's going to flip. I'm like, oh, my God, this brother's going to die, right? And I'm speaking of myself. I'm the brother that might die, right? Man, I mean, we, we... snuba dive that's a whole nother story i laid out on the beach i felt and put suntan lotion i felt i could have started a new website entitled what you don't think a brother might do.com okay because i was doing it all but here's the thing i was determined i was determined and i wrote this down i want you to get here's the phrase that the lids of the last must be lifted for the latest let me say that again the lids of the last must be lifted for the latest. Now, maybe I'm a bit biased, but I believe that the Holy Ghost movement holds the key to trigger a national and regional and individual awakening. I believe the only hope for our nation is Holy Ghost spirit-filled believers that believe in the power of God to show up. I believe that the type of Christianity that characterized the first 300 years of the church, which was Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled Christianity, is what is needed today. Listen to me. Because a demonized, addicted culture out there needs a Holy Ghost-anointed church in here. Come on, somebody. We can't just give them a TED Talk. We got to have a Jesus Walks. Come on, somebody. We got to have more than just words. There's got to be a new flow of what we say we believe. So many churches that believe what we believe in terms of the power of the Holy Ghost, in terms of God can heal cancer, God can touch and bring your wayward child back. He can heal the confusion of people in this midst of gender fluidity, a God that can show up and show off and deliver you off crack, off crystal meth, put your marriage back together. That is the Jesus they're hungry for. And yet there are churches that are afraid as we're on Pentecost Sunday. There are churches that are afraid to talk about the power of God. Jesus don't show up in this guy's room in college back at the University of Pacific, Stockton, California. I'm not here today because I don't know if you remember last time I was with you. I cried out to God, but the next day I was going to kill myself. 
How many of you know Jesus showed up in my room, I did not kill myself, I surrendered that life I was gonna take because he's that real and my degree in computer engineering is collecting dust in my garage. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't get the mentality where people hide the Holy Spirit from folks in church. Like we're going to bind and gag the Holy Ghost and put him in a back room because we're afraid he may blow you away. No, 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 no. We're talking about a generation that was raised on supernatural cartoons. Come on, get up on a Saturday morning. They're playing supernatural video games. I walked through an arcade and these dudes were playing this fighting thing, but all of a sudden they start doing incantations. There was all kind of witchcraft. And I'm like, this ain't Miss Pac-Man. Come on, somebody. This whole nother level here. They got supernatural cartoons, supernatural video games, supernatural playing cards. They're watching supernatural trailers before their supernatural movies played. And now to the point where they're joining supernatural online chat groups. And then we think we're going to blow that generation away if we talk about the power of the Holy Ghost and Jesus is real? Oh my God, we got to wake up. There are... <laughs> We are not going to lose them. We didn't have them until we introduced the Holy Ghost. That's how we're going to get them. Luke chapter 5, I love this because this is so powerful. Jesus begins his very public ministry in Capernaum. And we're going to, we read this passage and we're going to break it down. But Jesus had been at Capernaum a couple times previously. First time Jesus comes to Capernaum and it was considered if you will, the headquarters of his Galilean ministry. As Jesus is in Capernaum the first time, he walks in church and casts the devil out of man in church. It was the synagogue, but it was in church. I, I got a couple of thoughts on that. Number one, let me say this. Deliverance is coming back to the church. Del Come on, Jesus wants his people free, right? I believe we're going to, I was, I was in Costa Rica and we were doing some ministry and as over there, a guy literally started manifesting a devil. Now let me stop. There may be some people visiting and that's, that's a bit strange for you. Let me tell you the evil that would cause a guy to go at a elementary school and begin to open fire on babies. That's not a bad diet. That's not you had a little problem when you were a kid and Dr. Phil could help you. That is evil. That is a devil. Let's just call out what that is. That's not just your mama did something weird while you was a kid and she ate Twinkies while you was in the womb. You got Twinkie foam syndrome and you're going to end up on Maury Povich on a two-part episode. No, 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 no. That is demonic. Come on, somebody say it. Let's say it what it is. That is demonic. And statistics say Americans, more Americans believe in a literal devil than they do a literal God. Latest statistics amongst the emerging generation. Crazy, right? Jesus casts out, and you know what? I think we need deliverance to come back again. I'm not, I'm not against Christian counseling. I believe in it, amen. But let me tell you something. You can't counsel out what needs to be cast out. Come on, there's sometimes you better get some anointing oil on you, sister. Slap some anointing oil on somebody's head and get that devil out of there. Let's just say it what it is. Are y'all still with me right here? Did I? Am I blowing you away for the nine o'clock? Okay, okay, we went the, we went the right group. Jesus cast the devil. Let me finish the story. In Costa Rica, this guy does this serpentine kind of thing, which the contortions he was making is pretty evident. It was demonic. And uh, my son was over there with me at the time, and he looks at me, and he, he could minister some deliverance, but this, he felt like it was a bit 
uh, above where he was experienced. And so we came over together. I came over with him and joined him. We saw Jesus set this man free. And I felt, I, I asked the Lord, I said, God, when I began in ministry, we'd see deliverances all the time. And I said, God, and this was some years back. I said, Lord, why, why aren't we seeing as much? And I felt like the Lord says to me is that the, the, the demonic in North America has become better at hiding and we've become worse at discerning. We got devils sitting in people up in churches. They shouting amen to a service. They have no intention of implementing the words they shouted amen when they walk out the double doors. Can I, I'm, this is my second time back. Can I just talk with you? We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need Pentecost. We need to have people of discernment to begin to discern again because you get somebody free. Come on, somebody. That's the time for every, all of us to jump and shout because we recognize the most powerful message I'm telling you, it's the most powerful message I preach. In fact, I think every message I preach is about the power of God over the power of darkness. That Jesus is all-powerful. And there's no, he doesn't have a rival. Come on, we sing the song, but do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? The devil's not going to get in. I know years ago there was this Christian contemporary artist, Carmen, and he had uh, the champion, and he had Jesus and the devil get in the ring. But come on, we talking about right now, resurrected Jesus, the devil ain't going to get in the ring with a resurrected Jesus. Come on, somebody. He can't come near that glory. He doesn't stand a chance. We need to get our God bigger and the devil smaller. Somehow we put them on the little cartoon, the devil on one shoulder, God on the other. No, 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 no. You need to serve the Jesus that's resurrected in the Bible. You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to see our God is big God. We need to get back to big God Christianity because I believe when you got a big God, you get confidence, you get big hope, you get big peace. Come on, you have a big presence where God is sending you when you got a big God. Oh my goodness. Capernaum, another occasion, he, Jesus, heals Peter's mother-in-law and a bunch of people hear about this healing and there's now a healing service. So there's deliverance, there's healing. And let me just say, I'm convinced that the water levels for deliverance and healing is rising in the house of God. Could it be as much as we respect, honor, pray for, support my mother, uh, uh, she's going to be with the Lord, was a nurse all her life, a healthcare uh, person that worked in that field. Could it be that in this past season, our healthcare workers were overworked because maybe in some instances, the church dropped the ball on the healing ministry that we're supposed to walk in? Can I, I'll lay it in my feet if not yours. John G. Lake discovered a healing ministry during the time of the last universal plague, if you'll call it, or sickness or pandemic, the bubonic plague or black death as they called it. He discovered his healing ministry. Could it be this is an opportunity for you and I to discover that Jesus is Jehovah Rapha, that he's the God that heals? Oh, yes, sir. Yes. So now Jesus comes back to Capernaum, and I love this. After having the word get out on Jerusalem, Twitter, and TMZ, come on, somebody, that Jesus is the one that casts out devils. He's the one that heals the sick. He shows up and it's SRO. Come on, somebody. Standing room only Jesus. When he gets back to this house, they packed it out. Come on, somebody. They packed it out. And I, I, this is the thing. Let me just say this. You, there are people that think that they need to package and market Jesus. 
There are people that think that they need to make Jesus more relevant. They need to, in the context of modern terminology, they need to make Jesus more sexy. Let me tell you something. Anything you add to Jesus detracts from who he is. You don't need to add nothing to Jesus. You try to add something to Jesus, it's like putting ice cubes in your Coca-Cola. It will only dilute it. We need the raw presentation of who Jesus is. He's so relevant, he's already in the future. He already knows the, 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 the future. He knows the end from the beginning. You don't have to add to Jesus. There are people that feel like we got to make Jesus more this and more that. And I'm saying, you know what the problem is? You ain't met the Jesus that can pack out a house simply by showing up with no PR firm. Come on, no marketing. Come on, somebody. He didn't have anybody managing his Instagram. He had all them followers without any of that stuff. And now the, the room is packed out. I love it. Do we recognize the raw attraction power of Jesus? Do we recognize? See, this is the empowering belief of anyone that leads people to Jesus is that you're convinced how attractive he is. When you see a Jesus that can show up and pack out a house, you recognize that's the way it ought to be. It ought to be. It's, it's odd that an entire city doesn't, we should begin to think that something is in the way of you seeing Jesus because if you saw Jesus, you'd be more on fire than me. Come on, my mentality is if I can get you to experience God, if I can get you an encounter, I can get you to alter CLC, your life's going to change. You're going to see why I'm as excited as I'm excited. Do you believe that as well? All right, a couple of you. Amen. No, I'm kidding. So now here's Jesus. He goes down to Capernaum. He sees all these different miracles. He is now in the house and all these people are drawn to him. And I love this. He gets the audience and we read in Mark 2, and we did this on purpose. As we read in Mark 2, it says when the crowd came, let me tell you what he didn't do before I tell you what he did do. He didn't try to give them something programmatic. He didn't try to give them something pragmatic. He didn't try to give them something popular or palatable. He didn't try to give them something he thought a message that would kind of like, like be sugar. He didn't sugarcoat the message. The Bible says he preached the word to them. I believe on Pentecost Sunday, you and I need to get back to being people of the word. We need to get back to reading the Bible on a consistent basis. Come on, somebody. Like, like if, if we can get more word in us than CNN, MSNBC, and, and yeah, even Fox News, maybe we'd be walking in more faith and less anxiety. Come on, somebody. If we could get more of what Jesus says and what Joe Rogan says on his podcast, maybe we wouldn't be losing our mind and getting mad and angry and going off on folks. And I'm not trying to just label Joe Rogan like that. I'm saying any person out there that isn't speaking the word of God. You know what? I think we've gotten so far from Jesus in some instances. Let me give you an example. Here is a problem, right? When we make church optional and we make soccer practice mandatory. I didn't get as many claps. I'm just going to say, you might be some people online, watch it. Now, let me explain. I know there are some activities. I'm not trying to be legalistic, but here's, I'll get people come and a kid turns 18 and they go, Junior don't want to come to church anymore. And I'm like, well, you trained Junior that church was optional and Little League was mandatory. And so when he's 18, he's simply walking out what you modeled and showed with him. We got to get back and say, no, we got to get the word in our young people. We doesn't attack against it. Oh my God. Oh. All right. All right. I'm getting too excited for the nine o'clock. Right. Right. No, y'all, y'all, y'all release me. Let me go. Come on. Here we go. So Jesus gets them now. Here's where we want to center and slow down. 
it says that the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. Now, later on in the passage, we read four guys bring their friend who is quadriplegic, paralyzed, lowers him through the roof because they can't get in the front door. And I'll, I'll break that down just in a moment. And he gets healed. But now let's put the two together. The writer of the gospel here, Luke, says the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. Somebody say them. And over here, later in the chronology of the passage, we have one guy getting saved. So them is plural. I didn't do well in English in high school, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> them is plural. A man is singular. Why did the writer Luke, who is a physician, very precise with his words, say that the presence of the Lord was there to heal them? Follow me. Who is the them? Everybody. Thank you, sir. It says that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. In other words, there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law that needed healing. Some of them needed, all of them needed deliverance. Come on, somebody. So here's what we think. We think if the presence of the Lord is here to heal, if the presence of the Lord is here to deliver, if the Holy Ghost is here to revive, then we would be healed, we would be delivered, we would have revival, and the answer to that is not necessarily. Because here's the thing. They didn't present the right posture for what was available to manifest in their midst. I'm, I, I think that there sometimes has to be a rude awakening before a great awakening. I feel like God is allowed this past season to gloriously wake up the church that there has been something in a holding pattern. We're waiting for God to do his thing. And he said, no, no, no. Revival is in a holding pattern. Healing power is in a holding pattern. Deliverance and Pentecostal, man, uh, explosions are there. They're available. What are you waiting on, church? I'm, I'm preaching to me. I hope you understand that. It says that the presence of the Lord was there to heal, but before these four dudes dropped their friend and nobody got healed. Well, let's, why does this happen? Let's break it down. It says, the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting by. Say sitting by. It's fact. In Jesus' day, different than our day. Our day today, teachers stand, students sit. You walk in any particular classroom, of course not during COVID. Everything was like online Zoom. But the teachers were saying, if you went to a university and you weren't sure based on age, usually we think the oldest person is the teacher, but you go to university, it's not necessarily the case. You look down, it's the person down in the lecture hall that's standing is the teacher, students sat. Now watch this, flip it. In Jesus' day, teachers sat, students stood. But we read, because we're, we're asking the question, why doesn't this Pentecostal power manifest in the North American church in greater dimension? Why could the presence of the Lord be there to heal? Think of it revival in a holding pattern. In San Francisco, where we're from, many times, right, they'll let you take off in fog, but they won't let you land. And in San Francisco, the Bay Area gets fog. So sometimes in the morning, if you're coming in, a, a plane will have to be sent on a holding pattern waiting for the sun, come on somebody, as you in, to break up the fog so there can be a landing strip. We often think revival's being withheld in a closet in heaven till we can fast and pray enough for God to release. And I do believe we need to, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal the land. But could it be? Could it be 
that maybe revival is in a holding pattern waiting for the fog of our hearts to clear so we could present a landing strip and then the cargo plane of outbreaks, of healings, of deliverances, of man, people getting set free and massive people coming to know the Lord. Could it be that it's not that God is withholding that in a closet, but rather it's waiting on the posture of his people to plug into Pentecost. See, their problem was they were present, but they weren't plugged in. You could be present in church, but you're not plugged in to what God's doing. Right? So let me go back to this. It says they were sitting by. So follow me. In Jesus' day, students, what did they do? They stood. Come on, y'all listening. And teachers sat. So if the Pharisees are sitting, what are they saying to Jesus? Well, follow me. We're unteachable. The moment you feel like you've cornered the market on what Jesus does and how church should go, and we get it down to a program, we get it, and nothing wrong with programs. You, you're going to have a church this size. There's got to be programs. But my thing is, is that have you let programs eclipse presence? Obviously, your church is not. That's why we're having nights and days like this. Is that we're saying presence will trump programs any single day. We're going to go with the presence. Here is the guys that they had their traditions. And the Bible says one thing nullifies the power of God, right? We're talking about the power of the Lord's there to heal. Jesus said, you have nullified the word of God. You've nullified the word as his power. You've nullified the word with your traditions that we get so caught up in how things were, how we did it, how, how we're used to having it happen. We get, we fall in these ruts and rituals and all of a sudden God comes to do something new and we're not ready to surrender to God at that level because we want to keep our Christianity over here at the kiddie pool level and God's saying, you got to go in the deep end. I'm going to amen myself. Come on, Sean, preach that, man. That's a good word right there, bro. That's a preach that. Everybody take a smile break with a brother. It says they were sitting by. They were unteachable. Let me think of something else when I think of sitting. We've heard the term on the tiptoe of expectancy. Well, almost fell on the tiptoe of expectancy, right? When you're sitting back, that tells me something about not only your posture, it tells me something about your expectancy. When you're on the tiptoe of expectancy, you're leaning in. When something excites you, you're leaning into it, right? Come on, somebody. Come on, ladies, whatever that could be for you, right? You're on that home cooking channel. Come on, you've seen that home demo and what they're going to do with the big reveal. Dudes, you're at your ESPN kind of checking out the latest score, but you lean back when you're bored. It's like your body language is telling you you're there, but you're not there. They're sitting back, and that tells me something. And then I begin to think. So many times the enemy robs us from what can break out in a church service. Follow me. Maybe not here, but maybe. It depends. Only you can answer that. Is that we come to church expecting the supernormal rather than the supernatural. I'm not saying this to build this up. But I think if we expect the supernormal, more of us will hit the altar at the end before we hit the door. How many of you know, this people, no matter what, 12 noon comes, not y'all, y'all to nine o'clock, right? Y'all get up. But I'm in churches, 12 noon, no matter what, there are people that go hit the door. They never hit the altar. That tells me you came expecting the supernormal, not the supernatural. Because if you really believe Jesus at the altar, you're going to get up to the altar, even if it's for five minutes, and get before the Lord. Let him touch you. Let him deliver you. Pray. Ask God to bring Junior back, your baby girl back from her deconstruction. Come on. You're going believe God can do this. 
says they were sitting by, sitting by. What a wasted opportunity. Here's the one, and obvious, we have already established. Y'all got sicknesses, illnesses, and maladies. Y'all got demons. You got all that stuff, and you could be set free. And the only thing stopping, you can't even blame the devil on this one. Come on, somebody. How many of you know people want to blame the devil? No, no, you can't blame the devil. That's you. Devil can't stop you when you decide you're going all in for outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Devil can't stop you when you decide, I'm really going to walk with God. This thing of two steps forward, three steps back, I'm not going to blame the devil on that. That's us. Come on. We got to bring some sticks into our own fire. I can't just wait for pastor to keep my fire burning. I got to go get my own sticks. That's what Paul did. And we're going we're gonna to run the stick of morning intercession, the stick of word devotion, the stick of right living. Come on, I'm going to keep my own fire burning. No one else is responsible for your fire. You're responsible for your fire. So here they are. They're sitting by, right? And I thought about this other thing. This is just some thoughts. In any given room, the, the capacity of a room of standing room only is always more than people sitting, your sitting capacity. How many of you understand that? That's basically, you go to a hotel and they'll have certain rooms, their banquet rooms or, or, or convention halls, and they'll say, this is the standing capacity, this is the seating capacity. How many of you know these Pharisees, these jokers are taking up space that other people can't get in because y'all not letting them in? Whole nother story because this doesn't apply as much. But I'm, you know, there are people that have certain attitudes that their attitude they have is keeping lost people from coming to church and finding Jesus. Right? I see these people, man, and I'm like, somebody sat in your chair and you are in your space or wherever you're at, and you're all up in arms as opposed to the fact they were new and they didn't know that's the seat you always sit at. You ought to be clapping and all excited. Somebody new came in the house. Worship team come up, they sing a song, it isn't your favorite worship song, and I see some people lean back, they, I don't like this song. Stop, time out. You want your song, you'll go get your little Apple playlist and put the worship songs you like. But let's believe these people are here from God. We ain't here to worship you, we worship in Him. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus. It ain't about what you like and don't like, your song or not your song. Hey, I'm going to worship the Lord if all we got is a banjo, some pots, and some wooden sticks. Come on, we got some of us got some ancestors, that's all they had to worship with. I wish I could get some folks that will worship God no matter what. It isn't my preference. Come on. That kind of stuff short circuits a revival in the room because you got this attitude taking up space and nobody knew could get in. Now finally, four friends are at another place in town. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, they got a friend and they say, hey man, we heard about this Jesus. Last time this Jesus was here, he went to this church, man, this dude had the devil, cast the devil out of the synagogue. Oh, you know, they're going back and forth. And they said, hey, then I heard this guy's mother-in-law, she got healed. All these people got, hey, it's our only chance, man, come on. And so they grab him. Four friends, I don't know if what it's like, but maybe like a, a medical mash cot. They lift their friend up and they got to carry a distance. They got to get him there. And when they get to the room where Jesus is at, we already established, it's standing, it's packed out, not completely standing room only because you got some Pharisees sitting by taking up too much space. So they go to the front door. They can't get in. They go to the side door. They can't get in. They go to the back door. They can't get in. And here's the thing that I really have come to tell you, and we're going to get ready to move towards a close. I love this. See, what you do when you hit a wall tells me what kind of Christian you are. 
You ever see some folks, they hit a wall and they bounce. Peace out, deuces. They hit a little bit of difficulty and all of a sudden they're going to kind of like not be as committed to God. They're going to walk away. They're going to fall out. They're going to get offended. They're going to, you can go on and on and on. And let me tell you what, that tells me what kind of Christian you are. That when you hit, what you do when you hit a wall tells me what kind of Christian you are. You know what these four dudes did? They go, hey, we can't get in the front door. We can't get in the side door. We can't get in the back door. Somebody got the idea. Let's take it to the roof. Pentecost Sunday is about finding some raise-the-roof Christians. This is what we need. These four dudes, I don't know where the idea came, but they go, we're going to go down through the roof. Like, have you ever done this before? No. They tore open the roof. You go, well, that didn't sound like a big deal. It is if it is in your house. Somehow, I just picture three dudes get up on the top. They tie the dude up in the cot. They pull in them. One dude's on the bottom, steady it. And they're going, we're really doing this. We are really doing this. And they get up to the top. And the tile was, was kind of a combination of dirt and probably some, some other wood or whatever. They're tearing open the roof. Jesus, the Bible says, is teaching the word. So I could just see Jesus saying, you know, I don't know. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be. And all of a sudden, poop, a piece of dirt falls. And all of a sudden, I love this, and I get someone to come to the keys. As they're lowering a friend down, Jesus sees that as faith. What others called vandalism, what others called disruptive. Jesus said, on account of your faith, a man is healed. Check this out. It took four people late to the party to reveal what was there all along. God took four guys outside of the room to show everybody in the room what could have been activated by all y'all all this time. This was always here. Didn't just come when they came. It's been here since I've been here. You just didn't make room for it. What did these four guys got to do? Follow me. They had to alter the structure. That's what it means to tear up a roof, alter. God right now on Pentecost Sunday is challenging us as the church. We may have to alter some structures. We got to make room for the Holy Spirit to move again. You got to take some time. Your prayer time shouldn't just be reading off your prayer list like it's a Christmas wish list. At some point in time, you got to be worshiping him. Other point in time, you got to wait on him. Let him talk back to you, right? Jimmy Kimmel, you know, up front when he does his nighttime thing and he just tells jokes, it's called a monologue. But the show doesn't end with a monologue. It ends with somebody sitting on his chair and he now has a dialogue. You may start off your prayer time with a monologue, but don't end that thing till you get a dialogue. Let, let Jesus begin to speak to you because that's who we really need to hear from. Mm. As they lower their friend down and he gets healed, I imagine their testimony as their friend, I don't know what his name, he's going to be Bob for me. They're running back, hitting Bob, chest bumping. As they're walking back, Bob's healed. And the fact that there were Pharisees and the final reason why they didn't receive, Jesus called them out because he knew their thoughts. And here's what he said. You're too busy reasoning that you're not receiving. Jesus said he knew their thoughts. He says, why are you reasoning in your hearts? So follow me. What I'm saying is Jesus is highlighting why power of God it can be available for something and we miss it because we're too much in our head when it needs to drop about 10 inches and hit our heart. 
The organ of reception in the things of God is not your brain. God doesn't want you to commit intellectual suicide. He wants to use your brain. But let me just say this. Intellectualism was the wrong tree in the garden. It's the wrong tree now. God gives you a brain, use it. But not if your thinking is the ultimate organ in which everything is evaluated because there's a whole spirit realm that your brain is not prepared to deal with. You're not God. I, last I checked, they're not calling you to Alpha and, and, and Omega. Come on. Your application for the Trinity has been rejected. Okay, let's just say that, right? You're not going to be God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So put it in perspective. I'm not going to receive anything. Like, I want you to come back tonight. We're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But listen to me, there's a power waiting on you, but if you're reasoning, you're not going to be receiving. Get in the word, and if it says it in the word, like again, I'm not trying to open us up to whatever, but if it's in the word, right, come let us reason together, right? That's my reasoning right there. It's in the word of God, and if God's made it available, I want it because he's a good God, and I need what he gives. I want you guys to bow your heads. Jesus, Lord, I just thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you all across this amazing service, 9 o'clock, and all across the campuses and people that are watching live. Father, I believe the presence of the Lord is here to deliver, to heal, to empower, to, Lord, touch someone that literally has been uh, filled full of fear, ridden with anxiety, feeling some sort of bondage or addiction or someone else, the worry of modern life or someone that just has felt numb. They love the Lord, but they have felt so numb. Some maybe even gotten battle weary, but Lord, we declare the presence of the Lord is here to meet that need and that God will learn on their dime. Like they, every life is a school, good or bad, as to what you should do or not do. And they, we learn the bad in it. And God, the good was those four men. Every single move of God requires barrier-breaking believers, roof-raising reformers that say, I'm not going to get caught up in the common faith. They're going to get caught up in the atmosphere of, I'm just going to sit back because these leaders are sitting back. But they go, no, they're sitting back. We're going to get desperate. And that tells me something, right? Jesus doesn't honor the decorum of Christianity. He honors the desperation of a Christian heart. The thing that moves heaven is I'm desperate for God, a fresh outpouring. I'm desperate for more of you. I'm not going to settle for the less if the more is to be had. And this is what the Lord is saying. Right now, if you're here or you're watching online or you're in any of the campuses, you have not given your life to Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus. Why? Because when he gets a hold of your life, he will bless it. He will free you. He will deliver you. And he will love on you the entire way. You've tried everything else and has all come back failing. It's been weighed in the balance. And the only truth is this, is that only in Christianity can you call upon a name and on the other end of that name comes eternal life. Not just eternal life in terms of duration or what we would say quantitative, how long it is, but it's qualitative how good it is. And Jesus wants to give you heaven and go to heaven also. Would you, right now, if you're here or you're watching, wherever you're at right now, if you say, Sean, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to come to Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you say, I want to pray with you. 
You say, I'm tired of being made to hurt. I want to know heaven's my home. I want to know the goodness of this Jesus. I've done it all. I, I want to know when I die. I want to know what it's like to sleep at night and have real peace. I want to know my sins are forgiven. If that's you, wherever you're at right now, say, shall pray for me. The balcony, lower level, online, any of the campuses. If that's you right now, slip your hand up right now. Slip it up wherever you're at and say, Sean, pray with me. I need to give my life to Christ. That you just slip your hand up. Yes, God bless you. Amen. Amen. I'm a little light sensitive, but if you can get a hand up and wave it, I've seen a hand go up. I believe that there are others. I see another hand. I believe it is. So I've seen two hands, three hands. Yes. And I know people online. Let's pray. Pray this together. And then we're going to release the campuses to do ministry while we're there. Would you pray this with me? All of us together. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess you. Lord of my life. I believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead. Lord, I repent. I turn away from attitudes and actions, selfishness and pride, any other thing that would separate me from you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you love me. I thank you, Jesus, you have forgiven me. And I declare this morning, I'm a child of God. I got victory over the enemy. And I will serve you all my days in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. We release the campuses right now just to minister and pray and close up the way you need to. I'm going to ask the team if they could just sing a chorus. I'm going to ask my wife to come up here. Pastor said, go for it a little bit with this group if y'all are okay with that, right? And we just want to see, but I do know this. I feel like this morning, God, because here's what happens many times. Right as God's going to fill us, he first comes to excavate stuff in us. You guys are following me, right? If a waiter or waitress comes by and you, you know, the old diners, and they see your coffee, it may be old coffee, but if you're, you ain't drunk your coffee, they're not pouring you new coffee. They look for the empty cups. I believe the same is true in the spirit. I believe God looks to fill the empty when we're full of that's what them Pharisees they were full of stuff we won't say what they were full of but they were full of something it wasn't Jesus but the hungry desperate were the ones that were able to tear the roof off and every every church and I believe that this is a church full of folks that are willing to raise the roof we're willing to bust stuff open because we're hungry for Jesus so as we sing a worship chorus the first response I just want to pray for people and pray for you that you say, Sean, I feel like there's been stuff that's been getting in the way. Maybe stuff personal, maybe a, a spiritual attack, maybe a thing that you're having to deal with, maybe something going on at work. But you're just saying, I have some obstructions. Remember, they had to tear the roof off, but follow me. They didn't just tear the roof, they uncovered the truth because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. When they pulled that that structure, that resistance, that roof, that barrier back, they can see Jesus. And I feel like that's what's going to happen today. So in a moment, I want you to get ready. We're going to pray for people in that area and then see what else the Lord wants to do. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening, and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.